it would be silly for me to think that um, that being here behind this pulpit, the the thing I remember the most is Don Staten. Um, you know, how do you come into this church and not think about him? For those of you who knew him, good guy, really good guy. His wife texted me this morning. That's how great she is too. They're they're such wonderful people. Um, she texted me this morning to let me know she was out of town, but that she was praying for me. And I could just I could just imagine her sitting right about there and and how special that family is. My brother Don and I, we uh, he wasn't just my pastor. He was a great mentor to me, especially after my dad passed away uh, in 2002. And he didn't take on this role as a dad by any means, but he wanted to let me know, even though I was in my early 20s and I was married, had my family, but he wanted me to know that he was there, you know, and anytime I needed him. And so he wasn't just my pastor, he was also my neighbor because he lived right in front of me. Uh, so it, was, uh, it wasn't just that we uh, saw him at church on Sundays that I could just look over the hill and watch him blow himself up with gasoline uh, many times. Uh, and I remember one morning I was laying on the couch and I had gotten, uh, I worked second shift at that time and I heard this big boom out, out of my window and I looked out and I was like, what was that? And uh, I see Brother Don running around his backyard. He, he wasn't on fire at the time, but he was at one point on fire. And for those of you who remember that episode. And then Donna told him he was no longer allowed to play with matches and, uh, and gasoline. He always claimed that he, did, he wasn't a good mechanic. And I guess he didn't understand the combustible engine side of that, you know, with gas, fire, fumes, those kind of things. But uh, he was also my friend. Um, there are many summer nights I can, I can still reminisce about him mowing his yard down in front of me, and he would finish up, and I would be finishing up, and he'd just sit down in the grass and wave at me, and I'd go down, and we'd sit in his backyard on the ground, and, and we, would, uh, we would talk about his vision for the future of the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> you thought I was going to say church, didn't you? Yes, I see that. We talked about the Bengals, you know, Darren, I mean, this, this was in my, this is my stuff this morning. Um, and how it would be great if one day, before we all passed away, that the Bengals could make it back to a Super Bowl. And then we were in the shadow of this building that sit up on the hill from our home. And just see the excitement and the twinkle in his eyes of, of ministry and serving the community and how this, this building sits up here as a beacon for this whole entire county. I mean, you can't just drive into this county and not know where Bible Baptist Church is. Everybody just kind of says, oh, the great big white church up on the hill. And, and what a just a terrific thing. I mean, I can look around this room, and this is a fun room. When I walked in here this morning, I thought, oh, this is going to be fun, Halick. Uh, by the way, Halick is our, our worship leader for our youth group and our, and our youth ministry. And thank you for coming this morning. That's a beautiful song. Now, let's give him a big hand. That was awesome. I told Halick, I said, I can't preach at all unless you sing before me, because this is how our routine on Wednesday night is. Uh, before I get up to speak, Halick, he sings the music and leads our youth group in, in, in song and praise and worship. And I was like, I, I don't, I mean, I, I, obviously I can sing, or I can sing along with everybody else, but I said, it just won't be the same. So you have to come. And he was like, I, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> so, but I'm so glad he got to come. His mom and dad are here this morning as well. Heath and Tammy, they're awesome. Love them. 
Thank you. Thank you for this honor. This is a great honor. I can look around this room and just there's thousands of memories that flood my mind. I, I was here when this was sawdust and, and concrete floors and, and just framing and see this building go up and then um, to watch the Family Life Center uh, be built and the amazing tool that it is for this community as well. Uh, this is just a great family. This is a great community church to be part of. And, um, and this is where we grew. This is where we grew and, and grew in ministry. Uh, for 12 years, we served as uh, children's ministers here at, at Bible. And, and up until the Lord called us to leave to go to Northside across the other side of town, uh, that was probably one of the most difficult decisions I've ever made in my life. And Darren mentioned I was in the military during the first Gulf, Gulf War. Um, it was a harder decision for me to leave this family and the memories and the comfortability and what I had at the, just the resource at the palm of my hands with the volunteerism and the love that you guys have. So what you see before you is a product of you. Uh, most of you, uh, I don't know you, so there's some unfamiliar faces in here. But those of you I do know, man, thank you. Thank you for this honor. And for Darren, it's always a pleasure to serve my friend. Um, many times he's come and spoke to our youth group and to our church as well. And I love Darren. I love to do life with him. And so I'm also excited that my mom is here this morning. Uh, yes. <laughs> And my brothers and all their family, it's, it's good to have the Amix boys in the house. Uh, one is watching on Facebook Live this morning, and then my sister, who is in Okinawa, Japan, which it's probably 1 a.m., 1.30 a.m. Sorry, sis, but thanks for watching. I love it. She's probably there. Oh, she's in Tokyo, excuse me. It's Tokyo, Japan now. So uh, they're having a good time in, in Japan, and um, keep them in your prayers as well. Corey's coming to the end of his road. And, uh, and it'll be awesome to have them come back home. I don't know what he'll know what life is like to not be a Marine, but he is a really, really good guy and a really good dad, and I, I, I can't wait to see them to come back. I didn't come here this morning to share memories, though. Um, the honor to share the gospel is very important to me. Um, we get to talk to teenagers. We've done that for seven and a half years and families in our church and and we love it. We've done this ministry thing with Malia, and I have done this for over 20 years now. And we love it. And Isaiah would have been here this morning, except that he's leading worship at the Creek Church in Bell County. Oh, that's, oh, that's really crazy that he's a Rock Castle guy in Bell County. I told him never to wear Rock Castle stuff when he's up there singing. And, but he's leading worship there this morning, and so we're very proud of him that he's serving the Lord like that with his talent as well. I wanted to start out with something different this morning, but I was reading in the book of Acts. Uh, Halick and I were in here talking this morning, and um, this past Wednesday I had been flirting around with a, a verse that I'd heard in, in Acts, and I, I wanted to get the context of it. And so this morning, uh, because I was dreaming about this moment right here, right? I dreamed, this is like, I don't want to say I was really nervous, but it's exciting for me to be back here this morning. And looking at you guys and, and to be a part of this church. Uh, I know what you guys are going through and, uh, and our prayers are for you. Our church at Northside prays for you guys as well. Uh, we hope soon that the Lord will bring a pastor to you. And, uh, and we, we hope that's swift. And so uh, we, we, we definitely have you in our prayers. But 
I realized, and I told Melinda this not that long ago, I realized that as I've gotten older, uh, I began to realize that, that drama and um, argumentation and things that, in life that just really don't mean that much to me, um, you know, I get caught up in those things just like anybody else. I, I work at Walmart. I've worked there for 27 years. And, and uh, you know, there's not a time you're not in the break room where you don't hear somebody dogging the manager or something like that. You know you guys have been there probably. Or you just get frustrated about life or you get in arguments with your family or, you know, your significant others, your boyfriends, your girlfriends. And, and you know, there's just things that just don't seem like they, they matter so much, but we get so caught up in these things. And I, I came across this verse uh, this morning, um, which I, I had heard it over the, over the past two weeks, but I wanted to dig deep a little bit this morning. Uh, I'm 50 years old now, by the way, and I have to wear these. Uh, the last time you saw me, I didn't have to wear glasses, but I noticed that when I was doing welcome on Sunday mornings, that I was doing this with my Bible a little bit more, and I was like, why do I feel like everything is cross-eyed? So I'm going to put on these shades, and I'm going to talk to you this morning um, just briefly. Now, this isn't part of my stuff, Joe, so I'm just going to read through this verse out of Acts 20, and then we're going to go from there. In Acts chapter 20, and I'm using the New Living Translation version of this because it really just opens it up a little bit better, but it says, in verse 20, it says, I never, this is Paul, Paul's talking about, um, uh, he's talking to these church leaders uh, that he's on his last journey, if you've been through the book of Acts and the new church, or the early church, uh, Paul is uh, actually going along and he's, and he's telling people goodbye in this, uh, in this, like a farewell type of thing. And he says in verse 20, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, neither publicly or in your homes. And down in verse uh, 24, it says this, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Then in verse 25 he says, And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it is not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. I, I look at this portion of scripture and as I wanted to open up today, I wanted to say this. There is literally nothing more important to me at this point in my life, now that I'm into my half-century-old self, than sharing the gospel with people. I realize that there are so many people that are going to die and go to hell. Paul, even in one portion of Scripture, says, I, I, I do all things to all men so that some may be saved. I, that word always bothered me. Uh, why couldn't it say all? But Paul was a realist. I'm a realist. There will be people that will not get the gospel. They'll be, they'll be taken from them. It'll be robbed from them. And they won't believe and they won't be saved. And it'll all be because of Satan and his hold on their life. So I try not to get caught up so much. I don't want to be a, a you know, I don't want to lie and say that. I don't get caught up in some things. But I immediately am reminded that there's more important things in life than getting caught up in drama, in argumentation. And even Paul wrote to Titus in Titus 3 that not to get caught up in the arguing about the law, it's a waste of time. And I, and I feel like the more that I go along in my life, it's 
It's my responsibility to tell people about Jesus. To live that out in my life, not just to speak it, but to live it. And it becomes harder and harder as Satan tries to attack you. I get that. But we have to keep that in the forefront of our mind. The gospel is so important for us to share with people. And so this morning, we're going to dig into it. And this is going to be a morning where we do a little self-evaluation. I'm going to ask you guys to be honest with yourselves. I'm going to be asking you to evaluate where you are in your life. The story uh, that I'm going to read from this morning, or the title of my message, is The Parable of the Sower. Uh, My brother and I, we were talking this morning uh, while he was in Virginia, and he said, oh, Jared, I'm the seed in the rock. And I was like, no, you're the one in the thorn. So, and, and And he was like, thanks a lot. And, uh, but, you know, this is a valuation for all of us. This church, uh, even though that you don't have a pastor, you still have great leaders in this church, and there's a great family bond amongst you guys. God's still going to send you somebody. It's going to happen. In the back of your mind, you might think, well, I don't know who that's going to be, and, and why, will it happen soon or will it happen later? Just leave it alone. Let God do that. God already knows anyways. Uh, As a matter of fact, God's already at the moment where you vote on who your pastor's going to be. He's already there. He's waiting on you. And he's already at that point where that pastor is preaching in this church and, and helping to lead you through the truth of God's Word and to realize and grow as to what God wants for your the purpose life that you have. This morning, I want to ask you, are you ready for that? Uh, my friend Mike Quillman, a long time ago when he was the youth pastor here at this church, uh, we were in the designing phase of this building, and he said, and I, and I quote, don't build that building unless you're ready for it, because it's going to bring people. It's going to bring, bring people. You need to be prepared for it. And you guys see what that building has done. It's been such an amazing magnet to people in this community, and so much ministry is going on up there. You'll take a look around at all the fun that's going to happen starting tonight and for you guys for Vacation Bible School. I mean, what a great ministry Vacation Bible School is. I love it. Um, You guys get to be a part of that starting tonight. The fun begins, and kids are going to be here, and kids are going to learn about Jesus. And no matter what goes on in your life, whatever you pack in on your shoulders or what's on your sleeves as you come in the doors tonight, be awesome for the kids. Let Jesus shine out in you so that they can see what a follower of Jesus really looks like, so they can have that. But I I imagine that this morning, in most places, all across the world probably, this morning there's probably a guy standing in front of a congregation like this, and he's sharing the gospel, and people are hearing it, but they're not getting it. They're sharing scripture, and people hear it, but they're not getting it. And I want you to think back for just a moment about the first time you heard the gospel and when it was preached. You probably didn't get it the first time. Probably had to hear it a couple times. Some of you were probably very young when you accepted Christ and you heard it and you heard it and you heard it and you didn't get it, you didn't get it. And then one day, through the grace of God, He revealed it to you. And honestly, the whole reason that we can be... um, or have any kind of knowledge of the Word of God is because God reveals that to us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 15, I believe it is, Paul writes in there about how at certain moments the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of what God wants from you through, through the Word. 
And when I talk about the Word, we're talking about what Jesus talked about and our Bibles today. So even though that applied back then to them, it applies to us today through the Bible. But I I want you to think about this for a minute. Even in this room this morning, there will be people who hear what I'm preaching this morning and they won't get it. They just won't get it. Kind of like when you read a version of Scripture or a portion of Scripture and, and you say to yourself, Oh, man, I get it now. And you've heard it a hundred times or you've read through it a million times and, and you get it. I, I, currently, I challenged the youth group, uh, well, back in January, I, I challenged our youth group to read through the entire Bible with me, like through Genesis, through Revelation. You know, I feel like I've read every single book of the Bible, but I've never done it in one lick, just from one end to the other. And I challenged them to do that. And, and for those of you who are students of the Word and you've read through the Old Testament, I'm right around Isaiah 57, I think, right now, and man, is it hard sometimes, <laughs> especially if you have a King James Version. It just makes it even worse. I mean, I say worse, but I mean, just more difficult because it's the old English version. Uh, thanks to Don Staten, I, I, I have an English Standard Version Bible that he gave me when uh, I was uh, ordained at, Bi- at Northside, excuse me, at, at Northside. He gave it to me as a gift, and he said, Jared, this is the greatest study Bible you will ever use, and that's why I got it for you. And I was like, all right, I'm into it. And he was right. I love it. But as many times as I read through, no matter what version I read through, sometimes I just don't get it. And there will be people here this morning that won't either. But now, in what we're going to talk about this morning, it's, a, it's really a choice, though, that Jesus is going to be talking about. It's a choice thing for you. We make ourselves fit or unfit uh, to take in God's Word. I imagine that if God allowed us this morning to have this kind of a power, all right, let's just be hypothetical for a minute. If God let us have a power this morning to know your thoughts in, uh, in an audible tone this morning, right now what you're thinking, what would your thought be? What would be the audible voice that would come out about what you're thinking about this morning? Would you be about the ham that you have in the oven that you hope is not going to burn the house down? i got to get out of here. Darren wasn't joking, man. This brother can talk. Uh, even David Bryant in the back reminded me that I'm a little long-winded from time to time. There is a clock up there, but at church I have this big red clock, so it always stands out for me so I don't lose control. But um, There are people this morning that their thoughts aren't even on what's going on in here right now. And I'm not picking on anybody. I'm going to reveal something to you. It's a little personal. And it's real. This happened to me in my early 20s. I remember I sat right back there in that cubby hole and Don Staten was up here. And I love Don Staten's preaching. But that morning it just didn't seem to click with me. And so as I sat there and I'm looking intently at him as he's preaching, my mind began to drift. And I began to daydream about ninjas coming in through these side doors. Oh, yeah. You can't have a daydream unless there's a ninja. Ah, good one. Unless a ninja's in it. And, and this is real, by the way. And I dream they come in and start attacking the church members that are sitting here this morning. It seems a little silly, but, hey, daydreams are a little silly sometimes. And then I imagine that I became this superhero, and I was fighting people, doing cartwheels and kicks and all this other stuff. And, and the next thing I remember, amen was said. I had missed the entire service. I sat there looking intently at him with eye focus. My body was aimed in such a way that I gave him body focus, 
But my mind focus was on Planet Z, fighting ninjas in this room. Some of you might have a similar story. Uh, I worked in children's ministry, like I said, for 12 years. Uh, anything can distract a kid, a loud noise, a baby crying, uh, an accidental cell phone that didn't get turned off. Immediately, the ringtone goes off and every head switches over and you're over in the corner punching your phone, hoping it'll shut up and trying to get it to stop. Uh, I did that. I visited uh, one year for the SEC tournament. We, uh, Mike Quillman and I went to uh, Charles Stanley's church there in Atlanta, First Baptist Church of Atlanta. And I'm sitting there watching one of my heroes preach the gospel, and my cell phone goes off. I never punched anything so hard in my life as I did that cell phone. But what a distraction that was. It immediately took everybody's attention off what was being said. And I think about how Satan will bring in anything to distract what we're doing this morning. And like I said, there, there's so many of you here this morning. Um, but Jesus said that, and he's the only one who actually says this in Scripture, but he says, he that has ears, let him hear. He's the only one that says that. And so this morning I thought, what would be a great way to get you guys to kind of not get something than to have something fun and aggravating, as aggravating as a stereogram. Do you guys know what a stereogram is? It's the pictures that are kind of fuzzy, and if you look at a, a certain way, blur your eyes out, cross your eyes, you'll see an image, a 3D image will pop out of the color scheme of that image. So I asked Joe to put this up here on the screen for you this morning. And if you take a good look, now this isn't a trick, by the way. When I was growing up, I always thought this was a prank that teachers did just to see if we would lie to them. Um, there's an image, a 3D image inside of this, but you have to look at it a certain way. Now, I know what it is. Originally, I cheated, and I looked up what it was. So I, I've got this TV back here. This is great, by the way. So I know exactly how to see this image. If you see the image this morning, I just take a good look at it for the next few seconds. Does anybody see the image in it? If you do, raise your hand, because well, we're going to call on you. <laughs> Does anybody see the image? I'll give you a hint, though. One of the things that you have to do is to look through the image. You can't just look at the picture. You have to look through it as if something's on the back side of it. Does anybody see anything? Okay, David Fang, don't you say anything just yet. We're going to come back to you. I love it. We'll see what. Again, I cheated, but then the truth of this is I actually did finally see the image. I had to work at it. But David, yell out what you think you see. You see a cross? That's pretty close. Jerry, what do you think? That's pretty close, ain't it? Jerry and, and Joe never got it this morning, but Jerry did. And uh, it's an airplane. And not just any airplane. It's, a, uh, it's a, like a B-1 bomber, like a Memphis Bell type World War II plane. So you're very close. Uh, I don't have the clicker, but I'll show you later on. But it's kind of angled down this way. I, I don't see it right now. I have to look at it a certain way. But go ahead. Let's just take that off the screen. It's going to kill everybody. We're all in here. Just look at it. I see owls. No, go ahead. Literally get it out of here. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Joe. Joe said it was the carpet on the airplane. And um, no. It is an airplane. And, and if you want to know a little bit later on, I'll, I'll, I'll show you the trick to how to look through that and see that. But. Um, these were hard for me. And not everybody. Only David. David actually come really close because, uh, you know, the wings are in a cross pattern. So he's come really close. And so 
Not everybody gets these things. And like I said, I never got them because there's probably there's some teachers in here. I see Jamie. T- teachers mess with you. All right, they mess with kids. I love it. All right, so I just thought our teacher was lying to us, and they were trying to get us to mess with us. And they were like, you'd say, oh, yeah, I see it. And they're like, well, what do you see? And you're like, I, I didn't really see it. And they're like, well, you're a liar. Like, but no, they, um, I never got it. And, you know, as many times as I have searched through these things, uh, uh, I get it now because I poured myself into it. I started searching how to look at a stereogram over and over in Google. Uh, and I was just like, how do you do that? And there were de- different people were saying different things. But I finally did this one thing, and I saw it. And when I saw it, I was like, yeah, I got it. I see it. And now I don't really even have to concentrate. I can see it as long as I don't blink. The image, the 3D image, just stands right off the, the page. And I, I love that. It's the same thing with the gospel. There will be people that hear it and hear it and hear it and never get it. There will be people this morning, and I know I've drawn attention to you paying attention this morning, so most of you are probably going to be like, oh, I've got to pay attention this morning. He's going to call out something else. But there will be people in here this morning that hear what I'm saying, and they won't get it. So Jesus tells us this parable, and, and I go back to this parable because this is a, we're doing this as a summer series for our youth group, uh, going through the parables um, or some of the parables, and I never realized how special this parable was. But God put this one on my heart, and not just so that I would tell the teenagers, because week two, this was my week two sermon to our teenagers. And God just kept bringing this back to my heart, my mind. Every time I went through my day, it just kept coming back. As I studied the other parables, it kept coming back to me that this was the foundational story of all of his parables. It's actually the very first parable that he told. And it sets the tone for all the other stories that he tells. And parables are just these real-life stories that Jesus told so that we could understand more about the kingdom of God and understand what he was saying. It's kind of like when preachers get up and, and share a personal story. It's something that at these times these people can connect to because they'll understand. So in Luke chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, we're going to get into it right there. Luke chapter 8, we're going to be in verses 4 through 15. And this is where we're going to camp out for the rest of the time. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. Uh, And I'm going to read this off the screen this morning. Uh, We couldn't find the ESV version, so I'm going to use this. This is a really good version of it, though. Uh, And I'm just going to go through it. If it's a little different as you're reading it, the, the, the message is still the same. This is how Jesus starts off. When a great multitude came together and people from every city were coming to him, he spoke by a parable. The farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the road, and as it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seeds fell on the rock, and as soon as it grew, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other fell amid the thorns, and the, uh, the thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it out. Other fell into the good ground and grew and brought forth fruit 100 times. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. Exclamation. Oh, he really wanted to bring attention to this. Then his disciples asked him, Why does this, what, or what does this parable mean? And he said, To you 
it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest in parables, that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, that's kind of confusing. They see, but they can't see. They hear, but they can't hear. Now, then he goes on to explain himself. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those along the road are those who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are they who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, but these have no root. Who believe for a while, then fall away in time of temptation. That which fell among the thorns, these are those who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. That in the good ground, these are such as in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, hold it tightly and bring forth fruit with patience. Now, I tell you this because Jesus, as he goes into this explanation, he wants us to know, 2,023 years later, he wants us to know that people who hear the word of God, even this morning in churches all across America, are going to hear it, they're going to see what's going on, they're not going to get it. And he describes these people. Martin Luther King actually did this sermon as well. And as I was reading through his sermon notes uh, through a text commentary, he, he actually put in here that, that the soils represent the people and their attitude of how they take on the Word of God. So I thought it would be really interesting this morning if I, if I went through here and I said, okay, this there's three sections here this morning. This could be ground number one. Uh, this is ground number two. And then you guys are the soil number three. And then I'll be soil number four, the good-hearted, right? And you guys, I didn't want anybody to be upset with me this morning, so I thought, let's just go through this together, all right? And this is an evaluation, so I want you just to take a look, because I had to do this to myself. And this just stuck with me over and over, because it's more important to me in life to get the Word across, a Word of God across to people who need to hear it every single day than to hear about my hunting trip. I mean, it's nice to talk about stuff like that, But they really need to hear about Jesus. They really need me to live out who Jesus is in my life so they can can say, I want to be like that. And even the scripture tells us that we're supposed to love each other in such a way that people see us and want to be like us. Jesus explains it like this. And he's talking to this massive crowd and he has to be in this boat because there's so many people. When he talks about the multitudes that come to see Jesus, then there's a lot of people. If you've got to get out on a boat to talk to somebody... And I got to reading about the region of land that this was suspected to be spoken in, that it was like an amphitheater almost where the the sound would just carry. This morning I have a microphone and you guys can hear me just fine. Even without the microphone I could probably, you know, go to town on it. But but in Jesus' time he needed everybody to hear this. So this is what he says. So he tells the story of this farmer and he's just out here throwing seed uh, on the ground and then he throws some on a sidewalk and then he throws some out... um, into rocky ground, and then he throws some into the weeds and thorns, and, and some land in good soil. And, but the disciples, they don't really understand that, so they're like, you know, why are you telling this riddle? Why are you telling these stories and riddles? Why don't you just explain exactly the kingdom of God to people? And Jesus actually goes on to tell them, well, you, you get it. You've been given this authority because you've been with me. You believe in me. 
And because you believe in me, you understand the kingdom of God because now we have a relationship. But these people don't have a relationship with me. And they won't get it. So I have to explain things to them in their terms. And talking about seeds and sowing and farming and things like that was the thing that was going on back in those days. These people understood that. And so he tells the disciples, I speak in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. However, some in this crowd will see it and will hear it. And some in this crowd will choose not to. There's the key word in all of this. They will choose not to. He uses this parable to get this ultimate point across. The point in this whole parable, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to be the first one to tell you this. When I did this parable, it wasn't my favorite. I, I always think like, oh, what's a good fun parable? You know, uh, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan is a great, great story. Guy gets beat up. You know, he gets left to the side of the road. He's almost dead, stripped naked, and he's... These people walk by him, you know, that, that's, that's a really good story, right? And then there's a compassionate end to this with the Samaritan that nobody wants to be around. The half-breed, we don't want them around. We, he's the one who saves the day. He's the hero of the story. Or the parable of the prodigal son. We hear that one and we're like, oh, this is great because I can identify myself as that prodigal child from time to time because I was like that. I sinned. I fell away from God and I came back to him and he embraced me. He loved me. He ran to me. My brother and I used to sing a song by Phillips, Craig, and Dean called When God Ran. One of my favorite songs that PCD does. And uh, I always just uh, love that portion where he says that when God ran to them. God ran to you. God ran to us. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, in um, what is the... Uh, Henry Blackaby's um, experiencing God, one of the seven realities is that God pursues a loving relationship with you. He pursues you. He wants you. He can have anybody He wants, but He wants you. He pursues that. He pursues that relationship. The ultimate point in all of this is not the seed. It's not the farmer. It's not the ground. The ultimate point in all of this is that he, now this is a good point, he that has ears, let him hear. This is the whole point hidden amongst all of this. If you have ears this morning, you should hear the word of God. It's true. It's real. It's alive. And if it's alive in you, then you'll live it out in your life. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, people should know it. If you have ears this morning, then you'll hear what's being said, that you'll open yourself up to what God wants you to know, because I don't know what He wants you to know, but I know what He's been beating on me about with this. And I've taken it all in, and I'm like, all right, I see what you're saying. You don't want this to be a one and done for me. I was sharing with Joe and Jerry this morning that most of my sermons usually go into a notebook like this or into my iPad or my phone. I type away at these things at work on my break whenever I'm doing a message or something like that. And as I'm doing my, because uh, I, you know, at late at night, I have that kind of freedom to do that. And sometimes I just preach through them one time and that's it. But this one, God wouldn't let, let go of it. He's like, you got to keep sharing this. And I don't know when he'll stop. I don't know when he'll stop me from telling this one particular tale. And I'm like, it's not a tale that's a story that wasn't real, like it's a fairy tale. 
all of the stories in the Bible are real life things that happened. And he wants me to keep knowing that if I have ears, I need to hear and listen and understand what he's saying. And not just in the gospel, but through any of the scripture. There are scriptures that I read about that I've read a bunch of times and I didn't get it until the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, revealed it to me. By His grace, He wanted me to know it at that time. And the same thing applies for you. At certain times in your life, verses will just come back to your head. Do you think it's just a coincidence? You find yourself in road rage on the interstate and you're like, I want to get you and then your wife next to you says, you don't need to be like that. I have that. I have a great partner who keeps me like that. We were on this, uh, this new stuff going on down here near Berea one time. Well, here recently, doing the road work there. And I was, we were getting on the interstate at Berea to go to Richmond. And I see this guy, he's coming, and I'm like, okay, man, I'm going to let you go on through. And I slow down. Well, he slows down. And, I, and I'm doing like, he's doing like this, and I'm like, okay. And so you, you've been there. And I go, and then he goes. And then he honks his horn at me. And I was like, and I almost run into one of them big orange trash can cone things. And I was just like, and I, and I was, I had to go around it, weave through it and get back on. And I was like, Whoa, and I'm after him now. I was like, you're going to get it, man. And Malia's like, what are you doing? And I was like, she's like, don't be a jerk. And I was like, how am I the jerk? I was kind. She said, you're also the one doing 120 miles an hour to catch this guy. And what are you going to do when you get there? You're just going to go. Pointless. He that has ears, let him hear. Scripture comes back to you. Things come back to you. We're supposed to be this example. When Isaiah played football I, or basketball for Rock Castle, I was never allowed to yell out, Jared, you got to remember who you are. Jared, we go in here tonight. Remember who you are. You serve in church. I, this is all, I mean, I have this constant, and I love her for it. I mean, but she's always reminding me because she knows deep down in me lives a rage that will come out, you know. And, uh, you know, I want to yell at referees too, but I never got to yell at the referees, Right. She's a coach will do that, or this other parent, they'll do all that. You just remember, you're setting an example for the community. I was like, I don't want to set an example for the community. All right? I want to yell at this guy. I want to let that referee have it. And then she yelled one time, and I was like, hey, <laughs> this door swings both ways, young lady. So and I tease her. So I'm going to get it later for this. But, um, but great reminders of that. Jesus wants us to know that, that we're the soil in all this. God, or Jesus Christ, is represented as the sower here. The seed is represented as the gospel, or his words, the scriptures that we read and that we take in. All right? And this morning, I, I say this because I really want your whole heart in this. I want you to be honest with yourself when I say self-evaluate. Um, I listened to Jamie's message on Wednesday and I love the verse he used, um, God is not mocked. You're not fooling God, is what he said. You, you might fool everybody else in this room, but you're not fooling God. God will not be mocked by you. 
And he'll remind us of those things. So let's go back to uh, verse 12 there, Joe, if you don't care. Let's talk about it. Let's dissect it real quick, and I've got to be quick. Those along the road are those, this is, the, this is the first soil, this is the first group of people. So as you're evaluating yourself this morning, just be honest. Who are you most like in this soil? So this is the first soil he talks about. Those along the road are those who hear, and when the devil comes, takes away the word from their heart, they may not believe and be saved. So what he's saying is this, this sower, who is Jesus Christ, brings out and he throws the seed out, the, the gospel, the scripture, the things that we need to hear, things that we need to grow from, things that we need to mentor and be discipled by. And he, he throws those things out, but it's trampled on the sidewalk because we're distracted. We're distracted by the things of the world around us. Uh, uh, even like I said, there will be people in here this morning that, uh, and I've seen this in, in our church, I've seen this in our youth group, I've seen this in other churches where people will be on the biggest distraction that they can have. It's their phone. They'll be on there. I knew a guy that was playing a video game one time, and, and, uh, and our pastor, Kenny, he found out about it, and this guy comes over to his house all the time, and Kenny let him have it afterwards. I thought it was so funny. He's like, man, why are you playing a video game while I'm preaching? But immediately he's distracted. And like I said, it, it, it doesn't take much. You think about the Reds are going to be playing at 1 o'clock today. The ham's in the oven. Uh, my girlfriend's waiting on me. I, gotta, I can't be late for this one thing. And, and now I might go kayaking or get out on the boat today. All those things are going through your head or you're fighting ninjas. All right? All these things are going on in your head. And the Bible says that because Satan has such a hold on your life that even though you hear it, and maybe you want to hear it, you're easily distracted. And he steals it from you. So that you won't believe. Oh, listen to that. That's so scary. So you won't believe and you won't be saved. There's probably somebody in this room this morning. I would be a fool to think that in a group this size, or even whoever's watching on Facebook Live, that there's somebody out there listening this morning and knows Jesus completely. They're surrendered. There's somebody who doesn't. And these people are easily plucked away, just like the bird. The bird is represented as Satan who comes in, or his fallen angels, the demons, his little buddies that that he sends out because he can't be everywhere at once like God can. So they go out to disrupt the plan that God has for your life. And God's ultimate plan for your life is this one thing, to have a relationship with him. Then his second plan for your life is to fulfill purpose by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. He wants to disrupt that, and he hates you. He hates everything about you. The fact that you're sitting here this morning, the fact that you want to listen, the fact that you brought your Bible, that you, that you raised your hand or sang during the song this morning, and, and while Halik was and, and, the, and the music was going on this morning over here, that you were praising our one true king, he hates that all of this, uh, this decor is in here this morning because kids will come in here tonight and they'll go, whoa, I'm coming back tomorrow and I'm bringing a friend. He wants you to be distracted. And he steals you away. That's how easily Satan can do that to certain people. This is a certain kind of soil. And he steals these people away and then they won't believe and they won't be saved. Verse 13, he says, this different group of people They're like the seed on a rock. They receive the gospel with joy. But they have no root. They want Jesus to be in their life and and they really want this great thing that they're hearing about. They want a relationship with Him. They think it's awesome. 
but they're not tested yet. They don't realize there's a commitment level to serving the Lord. And then when temptation comes their way, guess what happens? They're easily fall away. They easily fall away from the Lord. These people are true, honest people that when they hear Jesus for the first time, and you, you, most of you who've been in church and ministry and served at any capacity know who these people are. And when I say this, you're going to realize this, that they're the ones who when they hear it for the first time, they're like, whoa, and I love it, I want to be a part of it, but then they never come back. They never come back. Because something happens in their life that pulls them away. They've not been tested. They've not been tempted. And when they're tempted, they fall away. Temptations that pull us away, these things are like relationship breakups. How many students in our youth group, I tell Malia this all the time, I hate youth group relationships. I hate them, except friendships. I love it. I hate boyfriend-girlfriend youth group relationships. Because if one breaks up, And I don't see this guy anymore. We have a lot of girls in our youth group at Northside. A lot of girls. And a lot of them are cheerleaders. And they all do these stunts on Wednesday nights. They're showing us their routine for Friday nights in in our youth group. And it really scares me that they do this because they're crazy. And then they get the guys in on it. And the guys become cheerleaders all of a sudden. I don't mention any names. Initials are Halick, Payne. And they have fun with it. And these guys and girls, they have these relationships and they break up and then we don't see them anymore. So then I got to hope that they heard the message because I may never see them again. There was a girl named Brenda. She was a little Hispanic girl that um, years and years ago, our whole children's ministry youth that served with us, they loved this little girl. And for a summer, for a time, she was in our youth group or our children's ministry. And we went to camp with her family, and she was just a little thing, and she accepted Jesus in her life that week at camp. I remember she drew this big circle and wrote her name right across the middle of it, Brenda. Had this wonderful picture of her. And I can never get it out of my mind because weeks later, their whole family was deported. We never got to see Brenda again. That's why I say it's so important to talk about the gospel because life is too short. How many funerals have we seen in this building? How many funerals go on in a week where we just, just walk on by and just like, oh man, I knew that guy or I knew that lady and, and it's just, life is just too short. We need to tell everybody we can. God gives us these moments, these opportunities for us to share the gospel and if they get it, no matter what happens, that they're locked in. They're saved. Even if you never see them again, my prayer is always that 50, 100 years from now, I see all your smiling faces in heaven. That's my, my big hope. But the Bible says in one parable that we just come through, there will be people who say, Lord, Lord, and they'll never enter into the kingdom of God because they didn't get it. This person who falls on this rocky ground, they're, they're, they're tempted and they're pulled away. Or even... Even this, think about this, illness. An illness comes into their life and they walk away from God because they don't know how to handle it. For some of you might know Roger Bray. Roger Bray goes to our church and Roger's such a super duty guy. I love Roger. Roger comes up to me about two years ago and he says, Jared, one Sunday morning, he says, Jared, he goes, I have cancer. 
in my lungs. And they told me that if it gets into my brain, I won't have but a month to live. So I'm going to the specialist this week to see if I can have chemotherapy done. And if I can, then maybe there's a hope. And the doctor said, oh, there might be a hope, but it's not a good hope. And he said, well, I know my God can take anything out of me. And if he does that, so be it. But if he chooses me to die like this, I know my heavenly father. I know where I'm going. And he had a confidence in himself. And I was like really excited about that. So we prayed for him that morning. And I promised, Roger, I'm going to pray for you next week. Right on the day that you go get your news, I want to, I'm praying. Boom. We're in the Atlanta airport on our way to California the following week. Malia and I are sitting there waiting for our plane to, to dock in. And, and my phone rings. And it says, Roger Bray. And I would forgot to pray for him. I had prayed for him that morning, and I would prayed for him throughout the week, but I promised I was going to pray for him that specific morning so I could go to God on his behalf, and I forgot. And I was just like, oh, all of my goodness that I felt was gone out of me at that moment. And I was like, hey, Roger, how's it going? And he's like, hey, buddy, man, how's it going? I was like, well, we're on our way to, uh, to California. I said, but how's, how, what did the doctor say? He goes, man... He said that I have stage 4 cancer. It's not in my brain, but I have stage 4 and I don't have long to live. And I was thinking, why is he so happy in his tone? He's got cancer stage 4. This is going to take his life. And he said, but he did tell me that I can go through chemotherapy treatments and it might help. But I keep telling him, if my God wants it gone, it's gone. And weeks later, after his chemotherapy treatment, it started to go away. And they couldn't explain it. And he goes, I can explain it. I can explain it. I told you, Doc, I can explain it. My God is bigger than you. He was faced with his mortality. He's faced with death. And what did he do? He was happy. We should be like that. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, we should be excited about going to heaven. In the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, some people get caught up with the Antichrist and all that's going to go on. But for Christians, we don't have to get caught up in that. We get the joy of knowing that Jesus is coming back and we're going with him. Jace Robertson always says, I know where I'm going when I die and I'm coming back. I love that. That's all of us. Verse 14. This group of soil, these people hear the message, but it's quickly crowded by the cares and the riches and pleasures of life. This portion of people, these are the people that is most common in America today. This is the most common person in America today. They're they're choked out. They love Jesus. They're Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They're involved in the church. They hear the message. They want the message. They take it in. They get involved in vacation Bible school. They get involved in in food uh, distribution. They get involved in cleaning and singing. And they love Jesus. And I believe that. But they love other things too. That they just can't let go. Things that choke out who they are. And the Bible says that it takes away the fruit of their maturity. They bring no fruit to maturity. That means they don't grow in the Lord. That means 10 years later, they're the same maturity level spiritually that they were when they came to know Christ or at that moment because they can't grow because other things matter first. They just can't let it go. Those things are like money. Uh, I'm... I was looking through some of these text commentary notes that people put in there to see what other people said. Cars, houses, I mean, those are the things we all talk about. 
But there are also things out there like sports, trophies, rings, relationships, popularity, social clubs. Here's a good one. Sleep. This morning, there are people who stayed home to get a good night's sleep. I'm not talking about the third shifters. I get that. I'm a third shift guy. I know what it's like to sleep during the day. I always say that we're vampires. We sleep during the day and we get out at night. And that's the third shift guy. But there are people who purposely choose to stay home this morning to sleep in because they love their sleep more. There are people that are not going to take in the Word of God because they love to be out on the lake on Sunday. Or they like to hunt during the year. I love all those things too. Uh, We have a big old pontoon boat we get out on uh, Laurel Lake all the time. I love it. We drag kids around on the pontoon and and the... the tube thing in the back, and we just throw them off. It's great. Love it. We love to swim. We love all of that. But that boat is never on the lake on Sundays. And I'm not saying I'm better. I have my mess-ups too. But I guarantee it's staying in that building until it's time for us to go and do that. It's never going to be in the place of God. I will never hunt on a Sunday morning. I used to. And I always felt bad about it. I kept thinking to myself, that little voice in my head say, how can you expect God to bless you with this big deer that you're wanting if if you're giving up him for the deer? So I'd cut that out. I know people who just love to fish and they love sports and they love all these things. I get that. I love all these things too. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having these things or being a part of it. It's just when it takes the place of God that it becomes bad. Because you don't grow. You never grow in your maturity with Him. There's no fruit that comes from your life because of it. And you can justify it. And you can say, well, I do this and I do that. But it doesn't matter. You're putting it before God. Jesus actually said this. A man can only, cannot serve two masters. He'll love the one, hate the other, like the one, despise the other. I think that's how it goes. There's another story that Jesus told about a rich young ruler who wanted to serve him, wanted to follow him, wanted to be there for him. He said, I want to be your disciple. And he said to him, okay, good. Go sell all your stuff. Go sell everything you own. Give your money away to the poor and then come and follow me. I'd love to have you on board. Come on. And it says, the Bible says that the man turned, lowered his head, and left sadly. And Jesus knew this man had a good heart. He just couldn't let it go. He loved that more than he loved Jesus. This is the thorns in the weeds. And I believe these people love Jesus. This portion of people, they love them. But they just can't let these other things go. Verse 15, this is the one that we see that should be our poster child of, of who we're supposed to be in life. And it says, the seed falls on this group of people, the good soil. They hear, they're good hearted, and God's word multiplies through these people. These are the people that are going to hear the message this morning. These are the people that hear the message every single Sunday, every Wednesday. They're, they don't miss a thing. And they're the people that when they hear God's word, they do something about it. They're like, oh man, this is me. I'm changing right now for the Lord. Or they take out his word, apply it to their life, and they go out into the break rooms and the, and the locker rooms, and they go out to uh, their neighborhoods and their families, and they start telling people and living out who Jesus is in their life. These are people you spot coming a mile away because you know they're a Christian because of the way that they act. You, beyond the shadow of a doubt, look at them and you say, they're going to heaven. You know 
And I know people like this. You know people like this. They're not perfect people. They mess up too. But nothing stands in their way of the Lord. Nothing. They come back to Him, and if they mess up, they know how to get back to Him. They're good-hearted people that love to serve. They hear God's Word as He reveals it to them, and they do something about it. You know how many times I sat back in the back, and I, I, the, that conviction on you, you know what I'm talking about, that little butterfly moment where you're sitting there and you know you need to go forward, and that little voice inside your head says, I know there's nothing magical about the stage, but I want you to go forward. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a measure of your obedience. And if you're good with the little things, God will give you great things, right? But if you're not willing to go forward and pray when it's time to pray, or pray with a friend, they grab your hand and say, will you go forward and pray with me? Ah. Everybody be looking at me if I go forward. So what? So what? Go forward. If God wants you to move, move. If He wants you to to step from one side of this building to the next and serve, if He wants you to do this, do it. If He wants you to, to give up a little bit of your time or a little bit of your money or a little bit of, uh, of your talent for Him, then do that. He wants you to be obedient. This is who the soil number four is. These are the people who know that it's going to be a tough road to follow Jesus, but they follow Him anyway because they love Him. They're not giving in to anything else. And Satan has a hard time with these people. He hates them even worse. He has a hold on the others, but... Man, he has a hard time battling these guys. Is that you? As the band, or I say the band, the musicians come this morning, I'm going to close out with this. Based on what you've heard this morning from this parable that Jesus taught. Jesus told this story. 2,023 years ago, here's Jesus telling this story. Now here comes the good distractions. I thought this would be funny. In youth group, man, when anytime I say, and the band comes forward, everybody starts looking at the band. I want you to focus in just though, right here real quick. Which soil best represents you? It's a fair assessment. We can look at it. Jesus told it. Can't blame me. I, I, I'm, I'm just repeating what Jesus put down there. I just wanted to share that with you because I had to assess myself. And I look at this, this family, I look at this church, and I think, man, they got it going on. This is great. But somebody here doesn't. Somebody here this morning is hearing the word. God is convicting them and he wants them to do something about it. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is James 1.22. It says, be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. So God says in this soil right here, number four soil, the good hearted people, they hear it and then they do something about it. They're the James 1.22 crowd. They're doers of the word. And you know them. So which soil are you? This isn't a pick-on moment for you. This is just an honest way for you to say, I might have something I need to change in my life, or God's got something prepared for me. You know that you all are purposed for something, right? We exist, the Bible says, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We exist for that reason. And we should share that. That shouldn't be something that gets put in our back pocket later on or that we might use it as we join in with somebody else. We're supposed to live it out. And i got good news for you. If you're sitting here this morning and you're soil one, two, or three, good news. 
Jesus would never have put this story in Scripture if he didn't think you could change. This is the good side. You can change. You can choose him this morning. I said it earlier. We make ourselves fit or unfit to take in the word of God. This morning, it's completely up to you what you want to do with the word of God. What you heard this morning, you get to choose what you do with it. Will you be fit or will you be unfit? Will you be thinking about the ham? Because we're close now. I went a little long, but we're close. We're close. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. So let me remind you of Jesus' purpose. If you have ears this morning, hear the Word. Understand the Word. Then do something about it. I'm going to ask you to stand with every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you guys for listening this morning. Thank you for letting me come and be a part of your service. But it doesn't stop right here. Our lives still keep going. Sunday is not the only day that we take in the Lord. We should take in the Lord every single day. If there's something about your life that God has revealed this morning, He's telling you this morning that you need to do something about it, and you should do something about it. I don't know what that is for your life. I really don't. If you're here this morning and you're soil number one, here's what I can tell you. You're on your way to hell. And you don't want to go there. The Bible describes it as one of the most terrifying, horrifying places. Jesus came and died so that you wouldn't have to go to this place that was prepared for Satan and his fallen angels if you would just surrender to him. But you have to choose him. This morning you have that opportunity. You can say, yes, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Yes, I believe that He died on the cross for my sin. And yes, I believe the most unbelievable thing of all, that a dead man came back to life. He's my Lord. He's my God. And He's alive today at the right-hand throne of God. If you believe that, and you'll pray that, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says that if you'll truly believe that with all your heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Is that you this morning? Do you need to make that decision? All you got to do is pray that right where you're standing. And I believe if you really mean it, you're born again right there. And now the next step is to let somebody know about it. You have the opportunity to move this morning. My Christian brothers and sisters, you guys are here this morning. You have the opportunity to change anything in your life that God needs you to change. If He spoke something into your heart this morning that needs to change to bring you back to Him, are you going to do it? Are you going to grab tight to that pew? I know what that's like. But if God is telling you to move, the greatest thing you can do is just move and then change your direction for Him. That's what rededicating your life is all about. It's changing the direction from your life to God's way. My way doesn't work, but God's way does. If you're my brother in Christ and you truly believe, or my sister in Christ, and you truly believe in Jesus, now is the time for you to start living out the most important thing that you can ever do, and that's proclaiming Christ to everyone around you. I'll be standing out here in the, up here in the front if you need to talk to me. Darren is running around here somewhere. If you would like to make a decision this morning uh, about Jesus, or if you'd like to just come up here and pray at the altar, the altar will be open. As soon as Ethan and them start playing and singing, you, you make that decision. God, we love you. 
Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for being a God who is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Thank you for sending your son, most importantly, to die on the cross, to go through this brutal, torturous death in our place. He became our sin. He took on the things that we do that is wrong. He became that thing for us so that we wouldn't have to have the punishment of the second death. God, I just pray that if there's someone here this morning that needs you as their Savior, give them the strength and courage to say, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I know you don't force yourself on anybody, but I pray you'll give that person strength to move this morning and do something about it. For my Christian brothers and sisters that are here this morning, God, thank you for such a wonderful church of uh, believers. But God, I know that nobody... Nobody in here is perfect. We all have things that we can change. And God, if there's something specific you're asking of them to do, to step up, be bold and do something about it. Follow what you're supposed to be in our lives. God, I love you and I praise you. I ask these things in Jesus' name.